Dimension Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we got to religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors, and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome to What's the difference. This is Wretched Radio. If you've ever pondered the distinctions between Todd, the plurality of... Todd, you, you're just going to do the whole segment that way? <laughs> you know, I just... Unbelievable. Apparently right. you're not familiar with method acting, aren't uh, you? You go deep into the character and it ain't doing. so easy to just come out of it just like that, Pally. So if you have been wondering, what are the differences in denominations? Redeemed Zoomer overall, I think, does a pretty swell job of marching us through the distinctions between denominations in 12 minutes, starting with you, Baptist. I'll start with the Baptists. There's a lot that makes Baptists unique, but the main thing is baptism. Wait, no, not like that. Like that, yeah, they don't baptize babies, because they think baptism is a personal and individual choice. Most other Christians say baptism is what makes you Christian, but they think baptism is how you proclaim that you've already become Christian, by having a personal born-again experience, where you go from not Christian to Christian. So they're very individualistic, which is why they're most common in the southern United States. What was that poke about? <laughs> Not sure. You would think that people in the South were so individualistic, they, I don't know, tried to secede from the Union or something. And it's all about a personal relationship for them. So that means the church itself and its religious rituals matter a lot less than having a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. And the religious rituals the church does do, like the Lord's Supper, are really just symbolic. This is called being low church, where the church as an institution doesn't really matter that much. So because the church is really just a fellowship of individual believers, it doesn't really matter how the church is structured as long as they're following the Bible. So that means most independent or non-denominational churches are really just Baptist in terms of their beliefs. Now, you might not agree with every single angle he's taking. Pretty difficult to say all Baptists basically believe this. No, but overall, Jimmy, wouldn't you say... With the exception of that Southern crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he was pretty honest. I think he's doing pretty good here. Yeah. Let's continue, shall we? Yeah, so that's low church. An example of something more high church would be Anglican or Episcopalian. Episcopal just means they're run by a hierarchy of bishops because the church is very structured. So they try to hold a balance between tradition, reason, and scripture. They're very eclectic, meaning they try to take the best parts from various other traditions and that means they have a lot of diversity of belief. Some Anglicans seem more Catholic, and others seem more Protestant. And a lot of Anglicans see themselves as like a middle way between the two. So and there's also an evangelical Anglican movement. If you remember Robin, uh, 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 go ahead and tell everybody, Jimmy Robinson, the fellow who got bounced out of the Anglican communion. Uh, Cliff. Oh, that's 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 the singer from Great Britain. Witchy woman. If I'm not mistaken. Cliff Robertson. No, the Robinson. That's the guy's name. He's in the Anglican communion, but he moved to the Free Church of Anglican, which is an evangelical Anglican. In other words, just like with every denomination, you're going to have varying shades. It's difficult to understand what Anglicanism really is, but don't worry, they don't understand it either. 
But yeah, so Anglicanism still has a very rich tradition, and a lot of the prayers and hymn books that people use come from Anglicanism. In fact, a whole new branch sprung out of the Anglican tradition, the Methodists, or Wesleyans. You know that little triangle the Anglicans have of reason, scripture, and tradition? The Methodists add a fourth point and turn it into a quadrilateral. They add spiritual experience because John Wesley's whole deal was he wanted the Anglican church to be more spiritually active. Fire represents the Holy Spirit, which is why a lot of Methodist logos have fire in them. And of the three persons of the Trinity, Methodist thinking is centered a lot around the Holy Spirit who empowers us on the path or the method that leads to righteousness. And we all have free will to join or leave the path. Free will is very important for Methodists. And at the end of the path is entire sanctification, where in this life we can improve so much that we stop sinning completely. And along this path, there's a lot of service to the poor and working for justice as we strive for spiritual perfection. Not bad. I mean, if you're a Methodist, you might say, but hey, he didn't say it. Um, overall, a nice little cursor on denominational distinctions. Remember, though, denominations must have the essentials in common. So, for instance, sorry, but if you do believe that baptism is a requirement for salvation or if baptism makes one a Christian, uh, that's outside of small o orthodoxy. And certain groups arose out of Methodism that really focused on that part. The holiness movement says that if you really have the spirit, you're going to pursue holiness. And the Pentecostals go a step further and say that that includes speaking in tongues. So groups that spawned from these movements include the Salvation Army, the ones that are always doing charity and stuff, the Church of the Nazarene, a big holiness denomination, the Redeemed Christian Church of God, another big holiness denomination from Nigeria, the Assemblies of God, a Pentecostal group, and the Church of God in Christ, a historically black American denomination. Hey, Jimmy, Church of the Nazarene, isn't that where the revivals seem to be taking place? That's correct. Throughout the individualistic South? <laughs> it's, it's because they are a a stream of a Pentecostal or charismatic movement, a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. All right, next up are the Lutherans. They're named after Martin Luther because they come right out of the Reformation, where Luther wanted people to preach the gospel. So basically, Luther thought the Bible had two messages, really, law and gospel. Oh, that we would learn a little something from Luther on that subject. The distinction between law and gospel, the Reformers... Each and every one of them believe this distinction is the hinge on which your salvation swings, at least an understanding of what it means to live the Christian life, that the law only goes so far. Now, if you're not in Christ, the law is going to take you all the way to court and to punishment. You will go to trial, the law will convict you, and you will be condemned by the one who is the law and upholds the law, which is God himself. But if you have been born again, if you have responded to the gospel, the law has no more authority over you in making those distinctions. It will keep people out of one of two ditches. The ditch of, ah, Ah, I've always got to be doing in order to stay saved or to hopefully get saved or be in God's good favor. Or because we don't remember that the law still serves a limited function, it can make you lazy and potentially licentious back to Lutheranism. The law explains that you're not good enough, but the gospel says that's okay because Jesus is. So Lutheran thinking of the three persons of the Trinity is centered a lot around Jesus and his gospel, and they want to make sure that the gospel message is pure. Are you looking to your own personal experiences to know if you're saved? 
don't do that. You need to be looking to Christ. How do you know that what Christ did is for you? It was given to you in baptism because baptism saves. Now, not every Lutheran believes that. Many do. Some do not. But the point that he's making about looking outside of yourself for security of salvation is a word we need. Now, I don't believe that that's at the exclusion of any sort of examination of personal experience, we'll call it. Got to be careful with those words, of course, because the Mormons would say they've got a burning in the bosom, which proves they have a personal experience, which would qualify them for one of the levels of paradise for eternity. Having said that, a Christian should feel something different. A Christian should start seeing a change in attitude, affection, will, emotions. So it is not without any sort of value to look at one's personal experience, but all too often, if we just spend all of our time looking inwardly, Oh, we are going to find sufficient grounds for disqualifying us from the kingdom. And so Luther is right. We must look outside of ourselves ultimately. That is where our assurance and salvation resides. Want to experience Jesus now? Again, don't look to your personal experiences. You need to look to something outside of yourself. Specifically, the Lord's Supper, where the body and blood of Christ are really present and given for you. That's right. When Jesus said, this is my body, he meant it because is means is. Seriously, you do not want to start a fight with a Lutheran about this. <laughs> Ask Ulrich Zwingli. Now, some Lutherans didn't like how the Lutheran tradition was so skeptical of personal experience and they wanted to focus more on it. So they became the pietists. And that's how you get things like the evangelical free church. Presbyterians are up next. They're also straight out of the Reformation and their beliefs are called Reformed. Reformed thinking is very God-centered, so they probably focus most on God the Father. Specifically, God's sovereignty and God's covenant. What? Sorry. The way God's in control of everything and the promises that God makes. Yeah, Reformed people use a lot of big theology words like infralapsarian, but the reason they use big theology words is because they're very focused on theology, because theology is the study of God, and they're very focused on God. They're theology nerds, and they're also kind of stereotyped as the nerdy Christians in general, and they're the most likely of all Christians to study science and stuff. But yeah, stuff. <laughs> Please keep in mind. And, and if you're reformed, you can be a re baptistically reformed. You can be Presbyterian. You can just be flat out reformed. There are some distinctions, but I think his point about reform folks being big into theology and focusing on the sovereignty of God, that's accurate. And that is good, isn't it? But how do we know about the goodness of God? I mean, how do we really see him in action? And the answer is you look to the second person of the Trinity, that Jesus Christ, the exact image of the invisible God. You want to know what the Father is like? You study the Son. We hope that you're enjoying this tour through all of the different denominations, courtesy of Redeemed Zoomer. You're not going to interrupt me again? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Stay you. in character. This is Wretched Radio. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. The Apostle John wrote a third epistle, commending Christians who were walking in the truth and showing love by their hospitality. He warned against a selfish and diversive man, whom he criticized publicly, specifically, and by name. As you continue to walk in the truth, take care to show hospitality to good teachers and avoid bad teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What are you exactly, or at least... Generally, this is Wretched Radio. If I asked you to identify yourself, which Protestant denomination do you mostly identify with? What would you say? Would you say Baptist, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Anglican, Methodist, Reformed? Or would you say none of those things? Might I just suggest to you if that describes your systematic theology? that you don't sort of at least fit into any particular denomination, it is possible. I'm not saying it's definitive. I'm just saying that it is possible 
that you might be a Lone Ranger Christian who possibly has ridden off of the small O Orthodox range because you just you've cobbled together your own thing. It's an eclectic bag that you've assembled. And while that might not be definitive that you are in danger, it sure could be a sign. When you can't identify with any of classic historical Christianity, Zoink Scoob, it 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 would be a little bit odd that you can at least identify that group of folks over there. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like those folks. Now, if you don't know for sure where you stand, maybe a more probing and more accurate question would be, how would others describe you? Would others be able to know about your theology, your statement of faith, your preaching or teaching, if you do that, and say, they're that, they're basically that? If they can't do that, yikes, you possibly become a denomination unto yourself. Now, I'm not thinking of Andy Stanley at this moment. I'm just saying we should be able to, in general, say, yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning that way. Just ask and let's return to a Redeemed Zoomer. Very popular video. This one caught on. Not a lot of whiz-bangery in this YouTube video, but six million people have taken a tour through Protestantism the big denominations, but now the video is going to ask us a question. What makes Protestantism Protestant? Is there anything that unites all Protestants? Yes, there are the traditional Protestant beliefs, but a lot of modern Protestants don't really believe those anymore. And by the way, if they don't, and they're outside of orthodoxy, well then, we got nothing in common. But nevertheless, the question that the redeemed Zoomer is about to ask is super important if you're a Protestant. Especially because each Protestant tradition has liberal-leaning and conservative-leaning denominations that each have their own liberal and conservative factions within them, and the most radically liberal ones don't believe anything Christian anymore at all. <laughs> Great. There are some Protestant churches that have lesbian pastors and leftist political symbols, and there's others that make the news for their right-wing beliefs. Some Protestant churches look very traditional and similar to Catholics. Other Protestant churches look very contemporary and don't resemble a traditional church at all. So is there anything that all of these different Protestant groups agree on? Can you answer that question? Now, I get it. And the redeemed Zoomer set the table for us. A lot of these Protestant denominations aren't Orthodox at all. But in Protestantism, there is a key distinction between us, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox. Do you know what that distinction is? Yes, there actually is one thing. It's that the Bible has more authority than the church. A conservative Lutheran would say both the Bible and church tradition have a lot of authority, but the Bible has slightly more. A fundamentalist Baptist would say the Bible has a lot of authority, and church tradition doesn't have any authority at all, really. Just just to tidy that up a bit, the only way that church tradition has authority is if what they stated is in alignment with the Bible. Those of us who are conservative biblicists and have a high esteem for the Bible, well, we don't even have tradition and reason in view. It is the Bible and the Bible alone. But that doesn't mean we don't believe there's any value in studying church history. We aren't the only Christians who knew something, you know. A progressive pastor would say neither the Bible nor church tradition have much authority at all, but the Bible still has a little bit more given the church's history of patriarchy and colonization. And that's why there are so many different Protestant denominations. 
because if the ultimate authority is the Bible and not the church, it's okay for the church to split if people have different interpretations of parts of the Bible. And for Protestants, that's okay. They can still be united spiritually as the church, and they can usually still take communion with each other. To be clear, again, we, we can do communion together, but only if we have the essential boxes checked off. If not, we don't have fellowship at all. I've always seen denominations almost as God's concession, sort of like divorce. I hate divorce, but you knuckleheads, you just keep wanting to do it. So here's the rules to keep it under control. I sort of see denominations like that. Jesus wants unity. Now, to be clear, we can have unity if we're square on the essentials. We have genuine unity with one another. I'm talking about secondary and tertiary issues where we don't find ourselves in agreement, and it can make working together a little bit challenging. It could be the ordinances of the church, the polity of the church. It could be covenantalism, eschatology. It can make it a little bit difficult. So while I I realize that denominations, not ideal in a sense, it's God's kindness to us so that we aren't fighting constantly. Now, to be clear, we have a propensity to fight a lot, but it's to maybe keep us from fighting 24-7. Now, this idea is rejected by all the churches I'm about to go over because they all claim to be the one true church founded by Jesus and his apostles. Here we go. And they think that the church assembled the Bible, so the Bible can't possibly have more authority than the church. The most famous of these churches are the Catholics. They think that St. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom by Jesus, making him the leader of the church, or the Pope. If you would like to see our treatment of that text, you can visit the YouTube machine. I think it's 25 reasons Peter wasn't the first pope. And that ever since him, there's been an unbroken chain of popes leading all the way up to the current pope. And the authority that Peter had is currently held by the pope because of apostolic succession. It's all about authority for the Catholics. They think the church has the authority to forgive sins, cast out demons, and interpret the scriptures. So the church itself is the kingdom of God here on earth. And salvation is about participating in the church. So that's why they reject salvation by faith alone. They'd still say salvation is by faith, but faith includes cooperating with grace and participating in the church. Specifically through the seven sacraments, the most important of which is Holy Communion, where the church has the authority to do a miracle called transubstantiation, where the bread and wine literally change into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. This is how we commune with Christ and all of his church on earth and in heaven, Yes, they believe that saints that have died and gone to heaven are still part of the church, which is why they pray to the saints and the Virgin Mary, not out of worshiping them, but just like asking them to pray for us. What else do they teach? Could argue that there's some worship going on there. Nevertheless. Well, it's a lot, so I can't really tell you, but you could look it up for yourself because Catholics have an answer to basically everything. Catholicism really wants to figure out everything about everything, and that's how they helped contribute to the development of modern science. Now, the Eastern Orthodox are the exact opposite. They leave most things up to mystery, and they even try to define God in terms of what he isn't. And they say we can't even really understand what God is, we can only perceive God's energies through our mystical spiritual experiences. The Eastern Orthodox also claim to be the one true church. But By the way, doesn't that explain why it is so difficult to nail down an East, Eastern Orthodox when it comes to theology, specifically the doctrine of justification? It's because they actually work very hard to not be definitive on those theological issues. They had a big, nasty divorce with the Catholics about a thousand years ago. 
It was about a lot of things, but the biggest one was about the Trinity. You see, all the churches I've already talked about have this model of the Trinity, where the Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. But the Orthodox reject that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son, saying that the Holy Spirit only proceeds from the Father. Why? It's complicated, but the biggest reason is that it's not part of their tradition. Incidentally, there... Yeah, I don't know that I can say most, but many church historians would say that was really the theological mechanism that was used to perhaps justify the divide between East and West, because it's boy, it's it's it is getting into some theological weeds. They weren't getting along East and West, cats and dogs. So there was a whole lot of political behind the theological and in orthodoxy tradition matters most. That's why all the trad people online often end up becoming orthodox. So how does salvation work? Now, the orthodox reject Western ideas of original sin, and they don't like to talk in legal terms the way that the Catholics and Protestants do. So instead, they talk about theosis, where salvation is about oneness with God and uniting ourselves to God and sort of partaking in the divine nature itself. And that happens through the holy mysteries of the church. And there's another group of churches that claim to be the orthodox churches. The Oriental Orthodox ones, these churches. Armenian, Coptic, Ethiopian Orthodox, Syriac Orthodox, and they all have varying distinctives, a lot of which are based on nationalism and the distinctives of their particular culture. That certainly does explain why it is so challenging to talk to an Eastern Orthodox. But please note this, many evangelicals, okay, a substantial amount of evangelicals find themselves attracted to the Orthodox and the Catholic systems because they do believe what they tell them, and that is they've got the direct line back to the apostles. Well, guess what, evangelical? You actually do. Why? Because we don't find ourselves connected to the early church based on a system or through a system, but on shared beliefs, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and we start with today's edition of You Just Cannot Make This Stuff Up. Trans influencer, that's what we're going to call him, Dylan Mulvaney has partnered with, get this, little-known company Nike to sell sports bras. That's right, Nike has decided to hire a man to sell women's clothing that women wear. And I know it makes perfect sense to a lot of people in this upside-down world. Unfortunately, for the majority of us, we're living right-side up, so you're not going to get it. Anyway, moving on to British Columbia, the government there has decided that 12-year-olds aren't mature enough to make complex life decisions. That's right, like legally self-identifying as the opposite sex. You know, I do remember when I was 12 years old, in all fairness, I had very complex and life-altering decisions I, too, had to make. Like what flavor slug? I wanted my mom to buy me from Sonic. Oh, and speaking of Dylan Mulvaney, I almost blew it and forgot this story, but Bud Lights, their new marketing VP, said of their deal with Mulvaney that the intention was to update the out-of-touch brand with inclusivity. That's right, so we can expect next from Bud Light maybe to be a gluten-free, gender-neutral, carbon-neutral, and ethically sourced beer. I just can't wait for that. Or maybe I can because I don't drink. But to my Presbyterian brothers and sisters, this could be a thing in the future. 
future because you know everything we joked about 10 years ago is coming true. So this probably will too. Well, praise the Lord, 63 Chinese Christians who fled to Thailand originally are now safe in the United States and can finally worship without threat of the CCP looming over them. And according to the Washington Post, your garden is killing the earth. <laughs> you probably didn't know that, and no one with common sense did either. But if you have a backyard garden, you might need to go start telling the squash you're trying to grow to stop being so selfish. And in the why is this even a thing news, the CDF wants the violent and sexually explicit graphic novel Assassination Classroom removed from classrooms. <laughs> shocking, I know. And speaking of shocking, a new TV trend which features naked trans adults could be on its way to the U.S. Let's hope not, but being a realist, it's probably going to be here soon. Meanwhile, in California, Governor Gavin Newsom has purchased enough of Abortion pills to kill 2 million babies. Nothing says, I care about the future, quite like eliminating it, Governor Newsom. And finally, an expelled Tennessee Democrat preached an Easter sermon at his church this past Sunday, calling on Mother God and invoking his ancestors. <laughs> Sounds like he's got a great grasp on theology. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> William Tyndale provided the first complete translation of the New Testament into English in 1526. While he was in prison for the crime of translating the Bible, he continued to translate the Old Testament until he was strangled and burned at the stake in 1536. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your act. This is Wretched Radio. Let's think about thinking, shall we? What in the world are people thinking when they identify things that you and I believe are evil, but they call them good? Which, by the way, should be a wee bit of a comfort to those of us who are rather confused about the world in which we live, where what is up is down. This is not the first time we've seen an inverted reality universe. Isaiah identifies a bunch of woe people. When you get woed in the Bible, you ain't in good sandals because God does doesn't like people that he's identifying with a woe. Cursed are those who say what is evil is good and what is good is evil. Isaiah chapter 5 identifies that it is not just the 21st century that has people whose feet are firmly planted in midair that are totally confused and backwards on just about everything. That should be a comfort to us. And by the way, the Bible does that regularly. For instance, if you have kids that are knuckleheads, and you're asking yourself the question, what did I do wrong? Why are the kids acting this way? The book of Proverbs should comfort you that this is not the first generation of foolish children. It's in their DNA. And it is our job to try to import wisdom into their brains. That is why Solomon, when he begins the book of Proverbs, he's begging the son, listen to me, please don't be foolish. Chapter 1 begins that way. After the short preamble, chapter 2 begins that way. 3, 4, 5, six. begging, please, you gots to listen. And what can we can conclude from that? Kids can be knuckleheads. In fact, all of them. We all were knuckleheads. And if your kid is currently being just belligerent, 
or your kid won't listen to you because you don't know nothing, don't automatically point the finger at yourself and conclude, it must be I. I'm the problem. Why did my kids turn out this way and others appear to be turning out turning out so fabulously? That is why for a lot of people, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, difficult holidays, because we all have a tendency to put up the best picture. Remember, when you see family and friends that look like everything is intact and harmonious, it's the best picture they could take. You've been in those nightmare scenarios, haven't you? Okay, everybody, we're going to get together for a picture. And then you finally get the group cobbled together in heights and locations, and everybody fixes their this and their that to get ready for it. And then they take the picture, and somebody inevitably says, let me see it. No, that's not good. I... My left eye was closed a little bit more than my right. Take another one so that everything looks right. And the reality is you don't get to see the squabbling that went into that pick. You don't know the strains and the stressors that exist in just about every family. Just every family at some time, but most families regularly. You don't see it. So don't think that your family is totally disastrous because look at everybody. Look at that. And look at their turkey. Look at it. They didn't burn it. It actually looks moist. Oh, I'm a terrible fill in the blank. Be very, very careful and let the Bible encourage you. You are not the first parent who scratches your head and goes, oh, the kids these days. Let's get back to Isaiah, shall we? Woe to those who say good is evil and evil is good. What is going on inside of their brains? That is what we are going to try to discern as we take a look at oodles. That's right, I counted. And the total is oodles, those stories that give us a little bit of an insight into a progressive mindset so that... We can understand what we're dealing with. Not so that we can write a snarky article. There, I read an article, and it actually had some good stuff inside of it. But uh, there's a term that I've been seeing regularly these days. Uh, it's like uh, to describe our politicians. Is it the the clown show? That's it. The 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 Joe Biden clown show, and it it's clearly disrespectful. Whether you think it's accurate or not, it isn't. A compliment. It isn't honoring to say that somebody's a part of the clown show, but we we do want to get a glimpse inside of their brains so that we can witness to them, not so that we can just fight with them, be agitated by them, call them clowns. No, they're the harvest field. Now, there are some people who are enemies of, of the cross, those who are trying to lead people astray, that are trying to promote ungodliness, those who are trying to undermine the authority of the Bible. They are indeed enemies, but we're still called to love them. And they are still a part of the harvest field. And so I want to know what's going on in there so that I can effectively share the gospel without putting up any stumbling blocks that might cause them to be agitated or annoyed. Article number one. This is from Tuscaloosa News. Where did I find this? I didn't. Thank you for sending it to idea at wretched.org. I didn't know which way this article was going to go. It's called Culture Wars. How shall we then live? That's Francis Schaeffer's classic question. Well, how do we live in this wacky world? I don't think Francis Schaeffer would come to the same conclusion that this author did. Because this guy is going to reveal himself to be an individual who believes that you, a Bible-based Christian, you are akin to 
Get ready for this. Schindler's List. Here's how the article begins. It, of course, gives us a recap of Schindler's List. This was Oscar Schindler and his desire to save the Jews. And he asked this question, how would you have behaved toward the Jews? That's a that's a great question. I think that you could spend some time ruminating on. Then he segues into the South. If you're a white person living in the South when slavery was legal, what sort of efforts would you have made to defend people that were being whipped or abused? What, what, what would you have been willing to risk? And so now you might be asking, well, which party is he talking about here? Is, is he talking about those of us who are biblical and who want to protect children? Nope, that's not the way that he goes. Quote, we are being taught by media and by certain politicians that those who are struggling with gender identity are somehow not like us that we can freely discriminate against them. Oh, this gives me a glimpse into the mind of the progressive. They genuinely believe, they're wrong, but they genuinely believe that they are acting like Oscar Schindler or, or they're acting like a freedom fighter prior to the Civil War to, to release the slaves. They feel that they are the heroes in this scenario. That by defending children, protecting children from those of us who say, oh, no, sir, doctor, you do not lay your scalpel on that child for that procedure. They're the heroes. We're the bad. We're, if you will, we're the slave owners and we're the Nazis. Are you getting a glimpse into the mind of the progressive? Quote, we are being taught that these people should be marginalized and denied medical treatment. They genuinely believe the mantra, the often repeated refrain of this is needed health care. You know, sort of like the termination of a child in the mother's womb. Women, they need health care, totally accessible to taking the life of their child. They actually believe it. They're totally wrong. It's utter nonsense. You couldn't take your child into a doctor's office and say, sir. My child, I've got to tell you, he's he's been acting a lot like he's been very squirrely, just very squirrely these days. So what I want you to do is take something from his body, cobble it together, fashion it to make it look like a tail, and then attach it to a vertebrae down down the lower end of his back so that he's got a squirrel's tail because... He's identifying as a squirrel. They would call for help. Um, you know what, ma'am? Hey, um, that's an interesting request. Can I just, my pager's going off. I need to step outside. Help, everybody, help. We've got somebody who's absolutely detached from reality in my office. We, we, I don't even know that this child should be allowed to be alone with this parent. That, that parent thinks their kid is identifying as a squirrel, and yet... A parent walks into a doctor's office and says, he's acting like a she. And he thinks that she's actually a girl who likes Budweiser. So take out your scalpel and do your work to pretend that my boy is actually a girl. But the individuals who are promoting this agenda, they genuinely believe you are the evil one. 
for thinking that children should not be put through those procedures. That's their mindset. They're the heroes. You're the villain uh, to the tune of of the Jews in the hall or the the Nazis in the Holocaust and the slave owners in in the in the Civil War. This is the mind of the unregenerate. What do we do with this? How, how does this inform us and help us? Well, what you're looking at is you are looking at absolutely positively beyond the shadow of a doubt, not a logical debate because this is so illogical, it defies any semblance of common sense. You are in a different battle. You are in a spiritual war. And by understanding how unbelievers think we might just be effective witnesses, which we will try to do next on Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, Philippians 4.1 encourages us to stand firm in the Lord. And that's exactly what we're doing here at Wretched. But, you know, we can't do it alone. You've supported us in the past, and for that, we are eternally grateful. But we also believe you share our passion for spreading the gospel, which is why I want to ask if you would consider making it official and join us as an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner. You can think of it like an exclusive club, but without the secret handshake. And I promise, no pressure. But here's something else I promise. If you do decide to join us, not only will you be part of an incredible mission, but I'll even let you tell people we're BFFs. And that's not worth very much. Actually, it's not worth anything at all. It's probably not even enticing to you. Okay, forget I said it. But would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in sharing the gospel, teaching others to share the gospel, and strengthening the local church? Find out more at wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace, amazing gospel. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds 
at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teaches us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the true vine. The Old Testament describes Israel as a vine planted in the desert. Jesus is the true vine, and those who trust in him are grafted in to receive life and nourishment from Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If this is love, then you and I are... Haters, this is Wretched Radio. Hey, the press secretary announcing we're so proud of the kids across the country who have organized protests and school walkouts. Oh, cool. The press secretary of the president of the United States encouraging kids to be rebellious and walk out of their classrooms, disobeying their authorities to tell the politician in their states to stop this legislative bullying. Oh, I see. So if you and I don't want little children to go into the scalpel to deform their bodies, we're bullies. Oh, now I know what Isaiah was talking about when he said, woe to those who call evil good. As she continued, I know that these political attacks can really take a toll on people's mental health. So I want to say directly to LGBTQ, etc. kids, you're loved just as you are, just the way you are. She was, she was plagiarizing from Billy Joel. And she is basically saying, we're the ones who love children by telling doctors and funding doctors. And I, I read a statistic. I think the, the, the number of dollars that get spent on these surgeries per year, it's, it's over a billion dollars. So it's an industry worth fighting for when it comes to financial gain. This woman, who represents the President of the United States, is saying, no, we're the ones who love the kids, not you who don't want their bodies to be mutilated. This is staggering. Quote, this is a dangerous, a dangerous attack on the rights of parents to make the best health care decisions for their own kids. Oh, it's kind of nice that she wants parents to be involved as long as they affirm the decision that they believe is progressively correct. Otherwise... Forget about it when it comes to parents' rights, if you disagree. Article number two from PRRI Press, which is Public Religion Research Institute, giving us a little glimpse into how the world is thinking these days on religiously based service refusals. This is the big issue. Can you, as a Christian, say, I'm sorry, I can't do that? I can't participate in what I believe to be objectionable based on my religious beliefs. And this is the this is the poll. A majority of Americans have consistently opposed permitting businesses to refuse service on LGBTQ people on religious grounds. 2022, 65% oppose such refusals. Uh-oh. That ain't good because if two-thirds of Americans think that your religious values are on the back burner and maybe should be taken off of the stove completely, this will affect all of us. Democrats, surprise, are more than twice as likely, 86%, as Republicans to oppose religiously-based refusals. 
Why? Because they want nothing that reminds them of God, his rules, his demands, and what he identifies as sinful. This this is a Tower of Babel. In fact, very fascinating article that was written. We'll tackle it another day from the American Reformer, the deep heaven of the gay gods. I'm basically saying that this, this is this is our effort to say, oh, no, God, you don't define genders. We do. Oh, no, you don't define sexuality. We do. That's what we're engaged in right now. So what can we do with this? Well, you could ask some questions. For instance, can you explain to me how it is that you would say it's love to take a sharp instrument to lop off somebody's body parts because they think that they don't belong there? And why am I a hater if I actually don't want children to have to endure that and to have their bodies pumped with hormones? It just Could you explain that to me? Because I'm not getting that. Could you explain to me why I'm the hater? Can you explain to me why your set of beliefs should be honored, but my set of beliefs shouldn't be honored? Biden's, Biden's Title IX proposal draws criticism. In the LGBT community, this is a reminder. These folks aren't playing. They really are not playing. Here's the story. If you didn't know, a proposal released by the Education Department would prohibit the adoption of policies that categorically ban transgender athletes from school sports teams consistent with their gender identity, rebuking broad bans that have been implemented by 20 states. So 20 states said no. We're not going to let boys play with the girls. We're not going to let men go into women's locker rooms. And the federal government is trying to do a workaround. Apparently, they forgot the reason we actually have states in the union. Nevertheless, K-12 through schools under the administration's proposal would still have the leeway to limit transgender athletes' participation in sports. So in other words, the proposal from Biden's Board of Education isn't enough. They want no exceptions, no place ever. This is from the founder and chief executive of Translash Media. Quote, it's hard to have a middle ground when it comes to supporting human rights for trans people. And I can't see how Joe Biden can straddle the fence here. In other words, we want it all. We don't want to win a hand here and there. We want to run the table. A transgender activist and instructor at Harvard's Law School at the Cyber Law Clinic. He could have just done nothing. This is legitimizing transphobia. Are they just repeating mantras? I don't know. I think they believe it. And the, this phobia business, its we can't say Christophobia. Because we wouldn't, because <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> but you disagree and you have a fear. You have a phobia. Courtback's teacher firing over transgender students' names. An Indiana school district did not violate a former music teacher's rights by pushing him to resign after the man refused to use transgender students' names and gender pronouns. What do they use? to say that this man cannot have religious objections, which they granted to him in 2017. Now they're saying, no, you can't just use last names. You must use their preferred pronouns. We're all going to be confronted with this soon enough. Believe me, it, 
Do not be surprised, do not be surprised to see a sign in a restaurant window that discriminates by saying you must use pronouns or you're not welcome here. Get ready. Get ready. Because we're all going to be confronted by this. The Seventh U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, they said, sir, we're not going to allow your religious objection to stand. The fellow told the school's principal on the first day of class in 2017 he had a religious objection. They worked out a compromise. But at least two transgender students, two transgender students in one grade. What are the odds of that? Oh, you don't suppose it's social and it's socially driven. Do you? I was reading an article from, an, I, I don't know what the website is. It's called fatherly.com or net something. And it was seven dads talking about how wonderful it is to have transgender children. And the one dad said, I just can't tell you how fun it was to go shopping for boys clothes with my two transgendered kids, Mars and Venus. Okay. All righty then. Okay, what are the odds of one dad having two transgender kids? It's ridiculous. It's bordering on impossible. But why does he have them? Because he's been participating in it. That's why. At least two transgender students reported the teacher's refusal to use their first name singled them out in front of peers and was hurtful. Other students, teachers, and counselors also told official also told official officials that the issue made his classroom uncomfortable. Jimmy, where we heard the word uncomfortable for in a classroom setting? Remember that little Stanford debacle when oh, the sitting judge came yep. to give a little lecture? Yep. And the d- diversity professor said, you make me feel uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable with your presence because your uncomfortable decisions make me uncomfortable. It's it's their line. They believe that anybody who disagrees, it it is cause to stifle them. The appeals court agreed. The music teacher must use last names because the fact that he failed to use their pronouns resulted in students feeling disrespected, targeted, and dehumanized. And it made it too much of a burden on the school to have to accommodate it. Oh, So some people complain, we accommodate them, but the guy's religious beliefs, we don't defend. Why? Because those people who have societal permission to publicly war against God will pick up arms and go. The restraints that used to exist in this country have been lifted because they were provided by God. I, I I think it was John MacArthur who most publicly and famously stated, um, are, are, are we going to be judged by God for our behavior? No. Our behavior is a judgment from God. When his restraints are lifted, when his common graces are removed, when curbs and guides and authority is belittled or erased totally, you get Lord of the Flies Island, and that is the world that we are living in. And we must be reminded their brains firmly believe all of these lies, confusions, and inverted reality. And the only thing, the only thing that is going to fix it is regeneration. And maybe we need to reorient our priorities. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.